Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our second episode of The Bank. I'm here with our host, Gabe Ferguson, and myself, Jordan Coe. Um, we're both writers at Baltimore Sports and Life. You can check us out there. Um, we're active on the message boards there as well. Um, and we wanted to start to do some pre-draft coverage um, and thought the best way to get us started on that was talking about what needs and, and where the Ravens roster really looks like right now. Um, and, and really trying to analyze where we think, you know, for the rest of the offseason, free agency and the draft, the Ravens are going to need to focus. Um, you know, what are you thinking, Gabe? I, th- I mean, I think the Ravens are in a good place overall. Um, if we're just considering the top rosters in the NFL, I guess we can start with the AFC. Um, the Ravens are right up there with the Chiefs, I think, as having the the best roster overall. Um, you know, there's a lot of depth across the board in most positions. Um, there's a few positions where you have some issues like inside linebacker, offensive line. Um, I think you might want to infuse some talent at the offensive weapons too like wide receiver and maybe even tight end now that Hurst got traded um but overall and especially on defense I think it's a pretty pretty loaded team um you know like I said there's a couple of positions where you want to maybe improve but I think it compares with any team in the AFC um, very favorably because nobody's perfect at this point yeah well and with Brady leaving the AFC I mean that's got to be a huge sigh of relief. You know, we saw teams like the Bengals and the Dolphins do a lot in free agency, but you know, that's not going to ultimately move the needle for them. Um, so I think you're right. We've got to, we, it's us and the chiefs right now. And, and they, you know, the Ravens have really got to make a run for it here because they've, they've got a lot of pieces in place already. Yeah. I think one sneaky team that's going to be a lot better than maybe some people expect is the Steelers. Um, you know, they, they had a really good defense last year and, they were able to keep pretty much everybody, but um, Hargrave, you know, their defensive tackle. Um, they have a lot of good uh, pass rushers. They have good long, young linebackers. They have good secondary. You know, they picked up Mika Fitzpatrick in the trade last year, and he was really good for them. Um, so I think they're probably uh, potentially a, uh, a playoff team. I think Cleveland's actually got a really good roster too, and they had some issues with like kind of a sophomore year slump with Baker and some coaching issues but if you look at their talent overall you know it's they're a talented team and it's going to be a a tough division I think yeah it's always a tough division and you know I don't want to give Pittsburgh any more credit than we have to but it does you know you take that team last year and you put Big Ben back in there and, and you know they're definitely definitely threatening but I also you know just by virtue of similar schedules with overlapping with what the Ravens played you know I don't know that I would label the Ravens as, you know, as well as they ranked in terms of points and yardage last year. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I wonder, I, I didn't watch enough of the Steelers per se, um, but I wonder if there was a little bit of a, the schedule being a little bit easier overall um, in terms of who they were playing against. And, you know, maybe that may, played a part in it. Maybe it didn't. Um, they were impressive when they played the Ravens too, though. Yeah. I mean, I think their defense is good enough. It's going to keep them in pretty much any game. So, um, 
and they played the Ravens tough on defense last year too, on both occasions, especially the first one. Um, I think that was maybe you know Lamar's worst game of the year he had last year was against the Steelers. So um, we're thinking about you know looking at the the team needs, especially for the Ravens, um, and thinking maybe some interesting ways to look at the different needs we have. Um, maybe we could do take a look at a few different positions. You can start picking one and just you know talking about it a little bit. Yeah, well, if uh, if there's anybody that. That, that reads uh, the the forum over at Baltimore Sports and Life. You'll you you can read all about where you you know exactly where I'd be going with this one, um, and you know if I had to pick first, what the highest need was for the team right now, and I think anybody that's evaluating this team would say it's the need right now. It's a hundred percent inside linebacker. Um, my mind is boggled about why Josh Bynes wasn't signed to a dollar more of a contract than the Bengals, even if you end up cutting him. Obviously, there's no comp pick risk there. $1.6 million is nothing against the cap in the bigger term. You can extend anybody for an extra year to make that kind of cap space. And it's just like for a guy that knows the system, understands the system and plays well within kind of what they're trying to accomplish. um, It just it just boggles my mind that Bynes was able to be let go to a division contender, no less, um, for less than what's going to be a comp pick price. Um, and, you know, I love what DaCosta's done. I think the value system that he's brought to this team has been excellent um, in terms of how he makes decisions about trades, in terms of how he makes decisions about free agents. You know, I loved the Earl Thomas signing last year. Um, obviously, Calais Campbell is going to be huge, bringing in two really, you know, following that trend of the Ravens, pursuing impact guys that are either coming off injuries or a little bit older. Um, and I think that that's going to pay dividends again. Um, but he continues, you know, I think... Inside linebacker is definitely a devalued position overall um, within this league, and it's one that you can use situationally to kind of get around. But I think there's a little too much devaluation going on with the Ravens. You look at what they did going into last offseason, Board, Peanut, Young, wasn't going to cut it from day one. Needed to, I mean, Bynes was another guy who was on the couch at that time, right? Um, you know, we need a veteran presence that understands how to play the mic, especially on first and second downs, in my opinion. Um, you know, we don't have that right now. Um, and so I'm really interested to see what the Ravens are going to do at inside linebacker. Um, you know, I know you, you know a little bit more about the, the drafting options. I, I still think the Jets are the, the premium place to go here. They've got six inside linebackers <laughs> that were all, you know, halftime starters or more within the past two seasons. Um, because of some of the injuries they had. And Avery Williams, it just seems like the perfect first and second down kind of back linebacker the Ravens need. Um, obviously, there's a guy up there now that the Ravens know and are comfortable with that they could potentially trade with. You know, I've heard a fourth round pick being floated. I don't know if I would trade that much for Williamson. Um, I've also heard that, you know, RG3 was a name that got thrown out there in kind of Jets land of wanting someone to back up Darnold that was going to be better than what they had last year. I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, you know, your cap number for him goes down to about three and a half if they move RG3's number off the books. Um, so I think there are interesting things that they can do just in just from some trades or um, Bradham is a guy from Philadelphia that I'd look at bringing in from a free agency side. But, you know, I've been screaming from the rooftops that they need to do something about this. And I think, you know, just the way the Ravens front office values it now is just not the same. Yeah, I think when you talk about value, that's kind of the key here. Um, I'm looking at Avery Williamson's contract, um, and he is due $6.5 million in a base salary. 
in 2020, which is a pretty hefty number for any team at linebacker, um, especially for like a two-down kind of linebacker. Um, I'm not sure if the Ravens will be wanting to commit that much towards their cap to someone who probably would play, you know, four, 600 snaps for them on defense. Um, and I think, I think that's a good idea is to kind of look for a veteran who can come in and fill that void that, you know, Bynes kind of played last year that obviously Mosley played before. Um, you know, I think um, there are other ways to go about it. And that's why I like the draft as an option. And I know the idea of having somebody come in and play as a rookie is always kind of dangerous. You never know for sure how they're going to pan out. Um, but with the way the Ravens kind of handle the situation at inside linebacker, they do rotate the guys a lot. They platoon the players um, and kind of put them in a position where they can do their best. And you know, sometimes they don't pan out like Kenny Young didn't pan out. Um, you know, other guys in the past haven't panned out as well. But I think, you know, maybe invest a mid-round pick or two into the linebacker position and you can um, see what you get. I do think LJ Fort is a good player. He's more of a wheelbacker, but he is a veteran. Um, I think he can play in a lot of your sub-packages and be effective in coverage. He's not the greatest run defender, I don't think, but he's a. I think he's a good leader there. Um, and, you know, maybe you can sign somebody. Maybe, like you mentioned Bradham, I think he's an, an interesting possibility. Um, but I think getting back to the value of it, that's that's really the reason why DaCosta hasn't invested. And, you know, Vines, maybe there's a reason as well. I think he probably was offered a contract, and maybe it wasn't offered as much as the Cincinnati Bengals offered which wasn't a lot, let's be honest. But um, I think, you know, they have a plan in place in terms of we'll find some way to replicate this position, whether it's using more dime packages, using Anthony Levine kind of in that safety linebacker hybrid. Maybe, you know, the, you know Deshaun Elliott coming back, he had a lot of good um, snaps last year, you know, in a limited role, but he played pretty well. So I think that's probably the avenue that we're going to see, some kind of hybrid of, using safety more, maybe a draft pick and, you know, we'll see, see where we go from there. Yeah. I, I hope so. You know, that my, my biggest concern is that the Ravens have not gotten as creative with personnel packages around inside linebacker as they could have. I mean, Clark was a guy, Jefferson was a guy last year before he got hurt. Both that could have been brought down into the box more, both could have been kind of used a little bit more creatively on those first and second down looks. Um, you know, obviously they, they trusted Clark with the green dot later, um, but they just seem to refuse to kind of really test that concept. Um, but I do, you know, I think that there are some really interesting nickel and dime options for the Ravens with extra safeties. Um, Elliot's a thumper. Clark is smart inside the box. Um, I don't think he's as great in space, but space, but he understands what he's doing, especially in run defense. Yeah. Um, and if they can get a really good run defender in the draft, and I think that, that this is something we should cover in a, a podcast coming up next, is what, what, what kind of options we think there are at inside linebacker. We just don't need guys like Board and Young and even Peanut to some extent who are going to over-pursue, that don't understand their run fits, that don't understand the concepts of how those defenses operate. Um, and as long as they bring in a guy that, that fits that kind of baseline for them and can be that true Mike anchor right in the middle, yeah. we'll be okay. Um just the, the quality of that talent degrades a little bit more and a little bit more with each passing day. So hopefully, you know, once we dive into what it looks like there is in the draft, and I know you've mentioned 
you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about Queen and Murray, but um, I know you've talked about some guys that we'll talk about later um, in some of the later rounds that we want to look into as well that you think have fit into some of those roles too. Yeah, I, I do think it's actually a sneaky, uh, deep class of linebackers. There's a lot of potential mid-round guys um, who can be, I think it's the two-down linebacker especially. You know, maybe not the guy who's going to be excelling in coverage, but you can have him on the field. You know, he can be stout against the run. He's smart and you have a high football IQ um and that's really important I think um you know being able to pick up the scheme is really important being able to even if it's you have to drop into coverage you understand what's going on around you see like how the play develops and just be in position you know to make plays um and you and there's another name out there I think that's interesting it's been thrown out is uh Clay Matthews Hmm. um he's still not signed he's you know he's primarily been out an outside linebacker but he did play inside linebacker um, a little bit when he was in Packers in, in the last couple of years there because they really didn't have any inside linebackers and it was kind of they needed somebody to fill that role and and he uh, I think he played pretty well um, and you know he can also obviously still rush the passer a little bit so and the Ravens need that that's that's a name that I think would be kind of interesting. Yeah, if they could fit him in from a cap perspective, I think you know that that would definitely be interesting and you know there, there's always the, the fan favorite of wanting to move Bowser into the inside more saps because he's got the versatility the athleticism it's been something that yeah. we've all been wanting to see to get him on the field more often but i think that ship is with this number of years into his career has probably sailed yeah and you know they really use him in this kind of like true like out sam outside linebacker role where he's um he's rushing the passer at times but he's also blitzing a lot um from like non-traditional like edge positions and then he's dropping the coverage a lot. So in some ways, that is kind of what your uh, inside linebacker would do in your traditional uh, three-four defense. And he's taking on some of those, especially uh, third-down roles. I think so. You know, maybe he not in name is he an inside linebacker, but he's still taking some of those roles in coverage. Um, so you know, let's move on to the next position. Um, I think the other glaring big need on the team is is offensive line. Um, I think. With obviously with Marshall Yonder retiring, the right guard position is a very big question mark. Um, we don't really know who's going to take that mantle. Um, nobody's going to replace him, but somebody has to play there. Um, there's several names who could play there. Um, ben Powers last year's, uh, I think, was he fifth round draft pick, fourth round draft pick? You know, he didn't play much at all as a rookie. He, I think he did start in Week 17 when Yondo was sitting. Um, the other guy is uh, Patrick McCarry. He took over for center when Mascara got injured last year. So there's a little bit of experience there uh, with the interior guys. Uh, I think they'll probably try and keep Bozeman at left guard. I don't see any reason why to move him. Um, but, you know, those are really the only internal options, It's and it's pretty limited. So... Maybe they see something in Powers that you know we haven't seen because we frankly haven't seen him play very much. Um, but I think this is a situation where you really do need to get somebody in the draft. Uh, and whether that becomes a starter or not, you need to at least have some depth and also potentially uh, you know look at some names in free agency. I know uh, Kalechi Assembly is still out there. Obviously, he had some good years in Baltimore. That was a long time ago. He had some good years in Oakland before he got injuries. So... Um, I don't think he's necessarily the, the answer, but I think he could come in and be some depth potentially, and you never know. Maybe he uh, wants to win that ring, and he has some uh, a fire lit under him, and on a competitive team like the Ravens, he might you know, 
be something uh, that could actually come in and, and help. Do you have any uh, thoughts on the yeah, offensive line? I, I think the Ravens really like powers. That That's my guess here. They, you know, they had the money to sign or attempt to sign Brockers up front. They didn't try and spread that around. There were definitely some guard center, you know, interior offensive line deals that were in that like 20 to $30 million range over three years um, that were, you know, decent enough in terms of veterans. I think you're talking about the same kind of value you get from Osemele in that place. Um, I think they have a good, I think they had a good beat on what Skura's health is going to look like before all this went down. I think they think he's going to be back in week one. And then I, if you think that's the case and you've got a guy like Powers who can slide into any, you know, either with the guard, right guard position or the center position, you've got Makari, who is a guy that was flexible up to that point as well. They know what their draft board kind of looked like going into that. Um, you know, I think it might just be one of those shock factor things here where losing Yonda sucks, right? Like losing, losing an all-star of any kind, losing an all-pro of any kind is always going to hurt. Um, but I think that there are probably... 20 teams in the league that wish they had four young offensive linemen that could play in the interior, two or three of which have started at least six or seven games at that point. Um, as we head into that, into going into next year and a fourth round pick that the, that your team liked from the prior year that a whole, had a whole year to develop and got, you know, an extra start in week 17. Um, that's the only reason why, you know, obviously again, huge shoes to fill for Yonda. Um, but I think our depth in this in instance and the price, we, we talked a little bit about value at inside linebacker, the, the value that we've got of those four guys at offensive line and honestly across the board on offensive line, the value that the Ravens are saving across the board at those positions right now is, is significant. Um, and so I think they, you know, they looked at it from that perspective and they liked what they might've seen coming up in the draft or what they've got. Um, I thought McCarty did really well when he came in to replace Skura. Yeah. Um, it really didn't feel like we missed a beat. And so, you know, I wouldn't be all that uncomfortable with McCarty and Powers fighting it out of guard, drafting drafting a guy like Hurst. I mean, that's the other thing to me. The Ravens let Hurst go. We're not talking about a huge amount of cap space. At this point, his number could have held up. And he was a guard tackle swing guy, um, which the Ravens could kind of use more than, you know, the four interior guys we're talking about are all inside guys. Mm -hmm. um, so they must have been pretty comfortable. I mean, w once we saw how much weight Yonda had lost, I'm pretty sure the Ravens have known for <laughs> much longer than we have that he wasn't coming back. He didn't lose that weight in a week. Um, he's lost that weight over two months. So I think they're comfortable with it. And I think that they think they've got the bodies to, to back that up. And I think that they think Skura's health is going to be good enough to be ready for week one. I think you are probably correct that they believe in the players that they have. Um, and I also agree with you that what's needed right now is a swing tackle, a guy who can come in and play left tackle in a pinch, play right tackle in a pinch, um, maybe also play guard in a pinch. Um, and I think that's someone you can acquire in the draft. I think ideally that's someone you look at you know, in the first three rounds. And the Ravens will have four picks in the first three rounds. There's some names there that I think are interesting. Um, also, we can talk about that more in, in the future and maybe a future podcast. Um, but that's kind of a, a key position, though. Um, I have I, that I backup. I'd be I think, stunned if the, the guy that the Ravens draft can't swing at guard and tackle um, yeah. if, they, if they bite in the first three rounds. Um, I think after that, then you're talking about projects. You're talking about evaluating. It's a different story at that point. Yeah. And if, I think... 
in in the NFL, we, we see a lot, especially in the past like decade or so. You have a guy who played tackle in college, maybe was a little short, short arms, you know, short stature, wasn't the the six six, you know, Ronnie Stanley type, and they had to get moved in to play guard in the NFL, and they do really well. Um, I mean, honestly, that's kind of what Marshall Yonda was. You know, he started out as a tackle and moved into guard. Um, he maybe used a prototype for was that. A, yeah, assembly, yeah, assembly the same way. Um, um, we, I mean, that happens a lot. Yeah. And there's been a lot um, of people who've done that. And McCarty oh, was and a the tackle. Ra- <laughs> yeah, and, and the Ravens are good at finding offensive linemen and plugging them in and letting them play right away. Um, yeah. And across the board, I mean, assembly was a second-round pick. Grubbs, obviously great while he was here. First-round pick. Yonda, fourth-round pick. Um, you know, we've seen them kind of pick all across the board, Skura, undrafted, Bakari, undrafted. Mm-hmm. So essentially our center position was manned by undrafted positions all of last year. Bozeman, seventh round pick, started every game at left guard. Um, so, you know, when you kind of count it up that way in my book, then I think the Ravens also think they can find those spots later, fill those spots as they need. And, you know, if, if I'm calling a spade a spade, I think that they can do it with, I, I would say I trust them on offensive line and I don't trust them on inside linebacker just from what I saw last year. Um, you know, and then maybe that was some bad luck. Maybe Alaka was a guy they really thought was ready to step up. Um, but I think, you know, I like where we are on our depth on offensive line. I just worry, I worry about that tackle swing guy. And I think, you know, I think there's a chance that Smith doesn't make the roster. If there's an early draft pick that is kind of that swing guy, then I think maybe, maybe he doesn't make it. Um, the roster is going to be interesting in how they build that out this year. I think Smith is just insurance and they're hoping that they can draft at least one person and maybe sign one more person. And then he's kind of the guy who's outside looking in. Hopefully that's what I'm hoping for, because I don't think you want to depend on him at this point in his career. I mean, even in his prime. How many offensive linemen, if you had to pick now, do you think they'd draft? I think they'll draft two. Two? Yeah. I think two. Um, you know, they have nine picks, and I think you have six guys on the roster now that you can really count on. Um, yeah. And maybe they sign somebody and they may draft one, but I think they're going to bring in two people, whether it be a draft or free agency. Yeah. Um, well, the next group that I choose after offensive line, I, I'd be choosing off outside linebacker. Um, and I think it's a toss up. I think it's a real meaningful coin flip between outside linebacker and wide receiver. Um, but I think Judon is not going to get a long-term extension. I think he may even play under the tag this year. Um, if not, it'll be a shorter two, three year fake kind of deal, um, where he'll play that out and then move on. Um, but we're going to need to figure out what we're going to do, fill in behind that. Obviously, the Ravens were really seemed to be really high on Ferguson as the year ended. He played better and better. Um, didn't have kind of that flash, huge impact, like, wow me game. Um, but for these guys that are kind of developmental draft guys, I don't think Judon had one of those in his first year either. Um, so if we're putting Ferguson on a track of what Judon's going to be, um, you know, that's going to be fantastic. Obviously, Wolf and Campbell is going to improve our yeah. pass rush. Um, but Bowser's done. Um, I think this is the last year of his contract um, as well. He's not a candidate for a franchise tag, even if he plays really, even if he has a Darius Smith-like year. Um, so, I, you know, I think they've got to draft a guy at outside linebacker that they're going to like to stick on the other side of what they're going to get from Ferguson. Um, and it seems like they're, you know, I, I, they could go with a guy like Clay Matthews. I think he's probably, you know, Cameron Wake is a guy I'd be interested in because he was still getting after the quarterback early um, in the year for Tennessee last year before he got hurt. Um, you know, 
I've even floated the idea. I mean, they I still think they could fit Clowney and Judon <laughs> under the tag of what Judon's playing for on short, kind of like two-year deals that look more like three- or four-year deals and get those guys a chance to sign in the next big salary cap. So there are creative things that can be done in the short term. But I think it's an absolute must that we see some kind of meaningful edge guy drafted. Um, honestly, I think in the first in those first three picks that we see, in the first two second-round picks from the Ravens, I think we're going to see one happen. Um, in this draft. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Um, starting with, with Judon, I think he's going to be playing on the franchise tag, and then he's going to be done. I don't think the Ravens are going to resign him to a long-term deal. I just think he wants to be paid, you know, a top-of-the-market kind of contract. I don't think the Ravens see him as that player, and frankly, they have a lot of other mouths to feed. Um, you know, you have... Stanley coming up, you have Humphrey coming up, you have Andrews coming up, you have Orlando Brown Jr. coming up, you have Jackson coming up. You have so many um, guys <laughs> who I think are are more worthy of a top-of-the-market contract than what uh, Judon is. And not that I don't like Judon. I actually really like him. I think he's a great player in the system. I think he might have you know an even better year next year than he had this past year because I think last year he was you know the guy in terms of breaking bring the pass rush. Now that you have two really disruptive defensive linemen that are going to be able to, you know, command attention on the offensive line, unlike the players that we had last year, I think that's going to really open up things for Giron. I think Bowser too will benefit. He's a very athletic player. He can be used a lot of like stunts and twists and blitzes. Um, and yeah, you still have Ferguson, um, who is just coming into his second year. He's got a lot of raw talent. I think that, um, he played a lot of snaps as a rookie, so the Ravens obviously saw something in them in him that they liked. Um, he got better as a run defender. Um, he needs to improve as a pass rusher, and we'll see if that happens with all this talent around him. And if it does, the Ravens' you know defensive like front can be very uh, very dominant, I think. But I do also agree, like you said, you know you need to in- get an influx of talent. Um, Judon probably won't be extended. I, at least I don't think so. Bowser. Maybe he gets extended. Um, you know, he's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. Um, I like him. I think he brings a lot of versatile skills, but he's also not going to be the guy you pay as, like, your top pass wrestler. Um, and I think maybe there's a veteran out there. Maybe Pernell McPhee comes back on another, like, one-year cheap deal. Um, he was pretty valuable. Um, you know, and we didn't even mention Jihad Ward, who I think is a valuable, versatile kind of defensive guy. He can play defensive end. You know, play inside a little bit, play on the edge. He's a good run defender. Um, but if you get somebody who's, you know, kind of this, like, pass-first specialist, um, there's a lot of guys in the draft. You can get early on, um, you know, Chase on of LSU. He's going to be available maybe when the Ravens pick. He might go a little earlier. Um, there's, you know, Gross Matos out of Penn State. You have uh, Julian Aquara from Notre Dame. You know, there's a lot of very athletic potential draft picks. I think I'm with you. The Ravens will take one of them in the first two rounds. Um, they really need yeah. to get that influx of talent. And hopefully one of those guys slides, you know, right. You know, we, we talk about this a lot as, as Ravens fans, because Ozzy and, you know, DaCosta as part of that team have always been fantastic at trading back. And so I think mm-hmm. we're all hoping that the value continues to be there. I mean, the other thing is, I, I mean, we shouldn't completely rule out Judon still getting traded at some point before the draft um, for a second round pick and, you know, Clowney being brought in to replace him. 
Um, you know, I think that's also something that could, if the market, you know, establishes itself quickly enough, um, it could happen. And I think Clowney knows that he needs to make some kind of decision before the draft or his market's just going to completely bottom out. Um, but that's also, again, there's just, I mean, I think that's really, it's, it's fascinating to me that he's still a free agent. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I think it's largely due to his medical. I've I've said this countless times. Yeah. He's a really bad history, um, not just with injuries, but he had this microfracture surgery when he was a rookie, and that's not something that you want. Um, it's not something players play a long time after getting. And I, I think teams are leery of giving him, you know, a multi-year contract. I'm thinking, you know, anything longer than two or three years, and you're starting to get into territory as not really precedented in terms of having a good career coming off that surgery. Um, well, if he it, wants to ring chase, um, there's a roster spot <laughs> here in Baltimore for him, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he wants to come for it, for like a, a bargain one year prove a deal, I mean, the Ravens could potentially make it work to move some money around. Um, and I think that would be, wow. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, so what do you, I mean, I, I said, I thought this was a toss up with a wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you think the wide receiver is a position they're going to draft or target in the first couple rounds of the draft, or is that going to be later down the, down the pike? Yeah, I think for me, I think there's, you know, there's two draft picks in the end of the second round. Um, I think that's a sweet spot for drafting a wide receiver. Um, I think there's four, maybe five guys will go in the first round. Um, but this class is an extremely deep wide receiver class. There's a lot of talented players. They have a whole wide range of different skill sets, which is interesting because you have, you know, basically your pick of a litter. You can get the guy who's big and, you know, he can go up and get contested catches and red zone threat and stretch the field. Guys who are fast and quick and everything in between. Um, you have possession guys, deep threats yards after catch guys it's just so many talented players um i think there'll still be a number of them available when the ravens are on the clock either at uh, was it pick 55 or pick 60 um and i think if you get someone at, in that range then you have a potential number two number three um on this team that is going to be a difference maker um and then you allow a guy like um miles boykin to maybe take it a little slower. Um, you only had like 13 catches, I think, as a rookie. Um, you know, he's got skill set. He's big. He's fast. He had an exceptional combine last year, but he still needs to develop. Um, and we don't know where that's going to be. Not having any uh, off-season stuff, I don't think, helps him. Um, I don't think you can consistently count on him. And I think that there's players in this draft who are better than him that you can get in the second round. So yeah, well, I think definitely. that's an upgrade. Definitely dive into those guys in a, a podcast here before the draft too. And you know, the thing I think I want to see the most is a kick returner or mm. a, a guy with the ability to return kicks in an impact way. There, I don't want to see Thomas, Anthony Thomas, on the roster next year. <laughs> there were just too many times he either didn't catch the ball or fair caught it, and there wasn't a guy within twenty yeah. yards of him. Um, I just wasn't a fan. I think, you know, obviously if you're the Ravens for the veteran minimum, you can fill the roster spot for now. Um, but I, I don't want to see him back here next year. I want to see a guy that can really, really bring an impact to our kick return game. The Ravens have been phenomenal about that in their history and, and kind of their, their breed of special teams and, and how they've approached that. I think we need a guy um, that's going to be able to do that with that pick and be, 
be a little bit more Swiss Army knife like because I think with the right type you can really interchange what him and Marquise Brown are going to be able to do and interchange that with whatever you want to do with Snead or Boykin or your tight ends or your running backs and kind of really rotate and, and really get creative if if they do it right. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Jordan, I have done two different mock drafts so far on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, and I had the Ravens taking wide receiver both times in the second round, both of which were also punt returners. Uh, yeah. Brian, Brian Ayuk, Ayuk of Arizona State, and then we have Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan. They both uh, are pretty dy- dynamic uh, punt returners, yeah. um, very explosive players. So I've watched a little of Ayuk, and I liked what I saw. <laughs> yeah, he, can def- he has speed. He has you know, kind of that explosive field ability. He can make people miss. Yeah, he's got that, um, a little bit of that wiggle in him. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's there's options in that. And I definitely agree with you. That's a that's a underrated, I think, position on the team is a kick returner. That's something that when the Ravens had it, you know, you, thinking back to Jacoby Jones, you know, that's a weapon you have as a special teams returner. And the past couple of years has been absent. So Yeah, well, for a team that forever seemed like we would always stall out on offense, the special teams was always bailing us out. And you add a dynamic, like add that dimension to this team. And uh, I mean, again, we've talked about this a few times. Like, if you've got a guy like Clowney, or you like had a really dynamic return game, or if you added just kind of like one little thing, I think we could see this team, you know, really gel and be be one of those teams that are going to be remembered for a long time if it happens right. Yeah. Um, I think two other position groups I would kind of lump together that I'd love to get your thoughts on are also like the defensive line and kind of our defensive backs. I kind of lumped them in together because it seems like on the front end of both of them were set. Obviously, at corner and safety, our starters are all locked in, even the, the initial backups. The defensive line, same kind of story. It, it feels like at least from a basic roster standpoint, we need depth. But who we expect to make an impact here this year is pretty scripted for where we stand right now. Which one do you think is a bigger need? I think that defensive line is a bigger need, um, both for this year and for the future. Um, and that's because defensive line is a position that traditionally you rotate a little more than you would rotate your defensive backs. Although the Ravens do use a lot of different kind of personnel packages in the back end, for the most part, you're keeping your starters on the field. Defensive line, you won't, at least what uh, Wink Martindale, he likes to rotate. He likes to rotate his defensive linemen and keep them fresh. Um, and right now you have two guys that are probably going to see a lot of snaps, maybe three guys, in, in Wolf, Campbell, and Williams. I think we'll Williams will probably see a little less, especially on the passing downs. And then after that, you kind of have guys who are not really that dependable. You have Justin Ellis, who's you know a guy who came in and played like three games last year. You have Daylon Mack, who played one game, maybe two games last year. Um, neither one of them really did too much. So, And they're both kind of nose tackle types. So I think having somebody who's more of a defensive end, defensive three technique, defensive tackle, you can come in some packages, rush the passer a little bit. That's a need, I think, um, more so than defensive back. Although, like you said, you know, there's depth issues, maybe especially at safety, I think, more so than cornerback. Um, although a couple of the guys on the back end of the cornerback position um, could probably be on the fringe of the roster, like Anthony Averitt. So, yeah, I would, I would say definitely defensive line. And I think you might even see them draft one as early as the third round. Yeah, well, and Dalen Mack is an interesting one because they really liked his athleticism, and he's he's a big guy, 340 pounds, six one, definitely kind of like that middle, you know, middle of the anchor defensive line kind of guy. But if you can get impact out of a player like that, um, which is you know obviously I think 
with them drafting him in the fifth round, they'd want to see that. Um, that's an interesting option for them there. Um, you know, you've got guys like Averett and Marshall also on the roster. So there's there's some talent being developed kind of behind the scenes there. Um, you know, the other thing about the defensive line is that the Ravens have been fantastic at kind of picking guys out off the pile here and getting the right guys and getting them on board and getting impact out of undrafted guys. Um, you know, well, that's how back. Uh, oh, I was going to say, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you there. Um, Patrick Ricard, you know, that's what was, I was going to say, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, he was a defensive tackle um, and he still they, played some defensive tackle. So yeah, could be an I, you know what? You know, I, I went back and watched because I wanted to look at Pierce and Williams and kind of how they were rotating them on the inside. And I was really impressed with Patrick Ricard on the defensive line. Um, I think, and he's really valuable for the Ravens as a fullback, and I think he's going to play more tight end and be a blocking tight end yeah. more situationally this upcoming year. So he's all offense. Um, but if he went back and played defensive line, I think he could be very good. Um, you know, again, like I said, he's still valuable in his role, but there he could push the pocket from the inside. Um, and he played with a relentless motor um and some real grit so you know the ravens you know pierced the year before for card i mean they're able to sometimes find these guys and bring them in but they're also good at you know ellis and peco were plug and play last year they came in and they knew exactly what they needed to do in their roles they kind of fit into the system the exact way they needed to they can find guys to kind of fit into those roles i think um which makes defensive line a little bit more interchangeable and then the other guy you mentioned was Jahab ward i think we're going to see him play defensive line more than we saw see him play outside linebacker this upcoming year i think last year they after mcphee went down they wanted a guy in his role um and he fit really well for that but i think we're going to see him play and it's part of why warmly got traded they were going to see him play a little bit more there um you know the other thing i think is really interesting as we kind of wrap up where the depth chart is for this team is um you know really thinking about what the new rules are going to look like because we talked a little bit about Bynes contract number you know, veterans' numbers are actually less than they look like under the salary cap mm-hmm. this year, um, just because of the way the new CBA works. You might get you like so Ward has like a one point. I want to say it's like one point three or one point four million, but it only counts like I want to say like nine hundred thousand against the cap. There's some there's some funky rules going on in there, and I think the practice squad changes are going to be really interesting for the Ravens because this year, obviously, the practice squad is going to expand by two players, so you're going to yeah. be able to carry two more people. Everyone's going to be able to carry two more people which I think is going to allow people to stay on your practice squad a little bit more. You're going to keep your own guys. Um, but the other thing is you're going to be able to activate two guys off the practice squad onto your active day roster. Um, and your active day roster is going to be two spots bigger. So now guys like McSorley don't have to be on the 53 man and inactive on game day. Or if you want him to be active, he can be. Charles Scarf is another guy I look at that, like, I think they like him as a blocker. He's got that pedigree from Delaware. Same kind of story that, you know, you get the same kind of guy as Nick Boyle. Great. But, you know, and, and I'm on, I'm one of the few people that think the Ravens still overpaid for the best blocking tight end <laughs> in the game. I think it's a, you, you want to talk about value skill set. You can, yeah. a lot of people can block. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think the Ravens might go with two tight ends on their active roster this year and might only carry one quarterback on their active roster um, and try and squeeze McSorley through on the practice squad. If he goes, he goes. I don't think they should know what they have there, what they don't have there. Um, And they should know what other guys are out there on other practice squads. I think there are some guys that might want to come play behind Lamar. Um, But I think we're also going to see impact on like potentially Chris Moore's role, obviously the Anthony Thomas I talked about. I think some of these fringe guys that seem like, you know, even Andre Smith, some of these fringe guys 
um, that might be like swaying one or two game off people. Um, you know, if the Ravens like some guys on their practice squad, I think those those spots are at a little bit more risk than they've been in past years. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation because with the new CBA, it's kind of uncharted waters, right? Um, we don't exactly know how these new rules are going to affect the game. Um, obviously, there were some the last time around the new CBA, the whole framework of how the NFL worked was changed with the, with the rookie pay scale uh, that kind of turned things upside down. Um, I don't think there's anything that big in the CBA, but the the way you're talking about with the practice squad players um, being eligible on game day, that's kind of this, you know, almost like the the taxi that you have in, in baseball going from AAA to Major League Baseball. You have a guy you can bring up and send down whenever you need them. Um, I think that's something that smart teams like the Ravens will take advantage of. And maybe that makes a couple of positions that you wouldn't normally have on your roster available. Um, I agree with you on a guy like McSorley. I think he's probably somebody who might end up on the practice squad now. Um, I don't think anybody would really need to sign him as a backup quarterback off the practice squad. Um, You know, he didn't really, he showed a little bit in the preseason last year, but he's not very effective, I don't think, as an NFL quarterback. He's kind of a gadget player. Um, and you might not even make it onto the final roster or practice squad. I, I would think probably practice squad, actually. Um, I think tight end is a position where the Ravens will address, though, whether it's draft or for agency or bring somebody in. They just use tight end so much. Um, they use three tight ends frequently. I know Ricard's probably going to be elevated into a more of a probably pass-catching, blocking role, um, maybe even... I don't know, kind of like an H-back kind of position. I think he can, he has that skill set potentially. But I think they want to bring in somebody else. Um, and, you know, this isn't a great draft class in terms of a tight end, but there's some guys in the middle rounds I think that could be interesting. Um, and it's a position where you can, you know, kind of get away with not having, like, elite players on the bottom end of the roster but still have value, like, in that blocking role in special teams. Um, that's a big role for like the third tight end is a special teams player. Um, if you can get a guy, you can you can have that consistent kind of value added. I think that's an important position. Um, so yeah, um, anything else that you wanted to talk about before we wrap things up? No, you know I I think you know the the big picture you know end note I'd put on all this is that you know and I'm obviously vocal about my criticism about the Ravens at inside linebacker. I really think the Ravens have the deepest roster in the NFL pre-draft right now. And knowing the number of picks that we have compared to some of the other teams that are in and around this team, I think that when this is all shakes out, the Ravens are going to top to bottom have one of the most dynamic rosters. I mean, when you're talking about a guy like Miles, Miles Boykin being, you know, not relegated, but like really just not being asked to take on a huge role as he's stepping up. You've got four guys on the interior of the offensive line that have all had some, or three guys that have had starting experience, a fourth guy that's got a full year under his belt. You know, we've got, you know, depths and it seems like just about everywhere. Um, We've got a bounty of riches here as Ravens fans. And I think it's going to pay off this season. Um, You know, obviously there are injuries that will really stick to you in certain positions and certain players, um, but I think that to Costa, to DaCosta's credit, the depth of this team is one of the most well-constructed depth where we've placed it that I, I remember in quite some time. I would, I would agree with that. Um, and I, I also agree with you when you're talking about um, the position they have in, in the draft. 
Um, having, I think, seven picks in the top 150, um, and they have, you know, I think they said today in their uh, Liars Luncheon, as it's like to be called, um, 185 draftable players. So, you know, they're going to get players that they like, and I think that's something we can count on. Um, and, you know, they may not have the best roster, maybe the deepest roster, though. I, I think I think the Saints have probably the best roster right now in the NFL. Hmm. Um but, you know, if you look at their roster, they're just like, where is their hole? I don't see one. Um, they just, you know, they signed Emmanuel Sanders. They got to pair next across to Michael Thomas. You know, they have Jared Cook, a tight end. He's a pretty good player. Josh Hill behind him. Like, Kamara, they have, yeah, they have, they have tons of talent. Their offensive line is incredible. Um, but that's in the NFC, thankfully, and the Ravens don't play them next year. So I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, uh, maybe, maybe in Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, um, I think you know it sets up well, and I think as you know, for everybody listening, as we dive into these, we're going to go through some of these positions: inside linebacker, outside linebacker, wide receiver, and offensive line. Talk a little bit more about some of these guys in the draft, um, and try and queue up some individual podcasts on them, and then just kind of the rest of the draft picks, the depth where we think the Ravens are going to pick. So if there are players that you guys want to see us talk about um, to take a look at their stats, dive into some of the film, um, you know, I'm catching up already to Gabe right now so we can have these conversations, but we're happy to look into players, talk a little bit about players that we think are going to be a good fit. So we uh, hope to hear from you either, you know, you can message us directly through the message board and the site at Baltimore sports and life. You can get us on Twitter. Um, I'm at BSL Jordan co Gabe. I'm at uh, Gabe Fergie, G-A-B-E-F-E-R-G-Y. Um, so um, we're, we're taking ideas. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch up on some of these draft prospects soon. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. Talk All later. right. Bye. Bye, Jordan.